The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, <laughs> Chapter 32, Rituals. <laughs> Of the women, Lelena cried the longest, for Kai, her mate, had slipped away into the void, and Orson, her other mate, was now dying in her arms. She tried to keep Orson's fever down with a wet patch of moss, and sometimes she sang to him but he was unable to respond anymore. She didn't expect him to make it. Hours and hours into the night she cried, inconsolable, watching in vain for any sign from him. Lelena was joined in her grief by Luan, who held the other woman as tightly as she could. Like Lilena, Len tended to Orson, and she shed tears for Kai, who she had realized a growing affection for. Her sorrow was deep too, for Echo, her ally, her sister, the first human being she had ever known. Each in their own way, they taught her what it meant to be a person, and they taught her what it meant to be a family, and they taught her about love. It was the most unexpected of gifts in the realm, love, a force that stood in opposition to the savage hunger of the maze, realization through another, safety, connection, meaning. She wondered if it was over, if what they had given to her would in some measure survive after their deaths within her, within all of them. Kai and Echo were gone now, gone to God, she thought, and yet their bodies remained, an ever-present reminder of what had transpired only hours ago. Peacefully they slept, but the inevitable process of decay would shatter this illusion before long. Len managed to fight back the sadness through prayer and through work, and by delivering comfort and relief to the others where she could. Each of them, in their own way, dealt with the shock and the anguish and the raw pain of forced separation. Treya was stone-faced and silent. She would not speak to anyone. Temek sat on the floor with his arms around his knees, and he rocked incessantly, whimpering to himself, sure that Echo's death had been somehow his fault. Soulless like Len lent emotional support where and to whom he could, though he had been deeply saddened, profoundly 
saddened as well. Nim chanted for them, wishing any possible protection for their souls in the void. Amazar tried to engage in conversation with the others, though no one very much cared to respond or listen. By the following morning, Kana, like her sisters, did not any longer remember Echo or Kai, for her amnesia exerted itself daily upon her mind. This being the case, she had been given the task of taking hair. Those who had been closest to Echo and Kai each received a portion as a remembrance. Orson was given the hair of his brother whose strands Lelena quietly wove with his into a braid on the left side of his cheek before finally doing the same for herself. Temek asked to keep Echo's knife, and it was decided that he would be allowed this once he was fully well again in the mind. Others accepted the moment in their own private ways, except for Treya, who would take no part. Kailana, still heavy with fever and not fully sane anymore, didn't show any sign that she understood what had happened to her other. Instead, she played with Len by peeking through her long hair, laughing and giggling in a childlike way, though at the end she admired the work that Len had done for her once Echo's hair had been woven for her into a long, thin braid. When the prayers and rituals for the dead had been completed, Kana took the rest of Kai's hair, cutting it free with her knife. She spent many long hours braiding it into thread, which could be used for sewing. Echo's hair she did not take, for it was too short to serve this purpose. I can't believe I killed her, said Tumek. I couldn't help myself. She was trying to kill you, Solus. I had to stop her. She stabbed me, and I hit her back. Hard. I hit her back so hard. The halfling <laughs> sobbed where he was, in a heap. You didn't, said Solus. Tamek, we were there, and we saw what happened. It was the malady that took her. It wasn't you. I don't know. Are you sure? Even if I didn't do it, I wanted to. She was acting insane. She was an animal. Dangerous. I wanted to put her down. It wasn't her fault, said Solus. The fever took her mind. And yours. It wasn't anybody's fault, Temek. We're just glad we didn't lose you, too. What happened to Echo couldn't have been avoided. Please remember that we did the best we could. What happened to Echo? Came a small voice suddenly. It was Kailana, standing before Solus on two thin legs, trembling. Solus paused, searching for words, but could find none. 
Len came up beside Kailana and took her hand for a moment as she glanced at Solas as the question lingered, unanswered, before Kailana demanded to know again. She's gone, said Len, finally, and she tried to hold Kailana in her arms. I'm so sorry. Kailana was rigid at the cleric's embrace and pulled away, spying all of a sudden the body of Echo. No, she's here, Len. Look, she's right here. She's only sleeping. Kailana laid down with Echo and held her from behind. She's cold. So cold. We need to keep her warm. Please. Let's rest with her now, just for a little while. Len knelt beside her and kept the girl's head on her lap while Solas stood by helplessly. And then Kailana began to cry, and the tears wouldn't stop. Come help me, she said, pleading with Len and Solas. Please, she's getting cold. Come lie down. It's getting late. And I don't think she's well. Please. And then, carefully, <laughs> Len laid down beside Kailana, and Solas <laughs> sat down too. And there they stayed for a long time, until at last Solas put a hand on Kailana's shoulder and on Len's, and began to rise. No, no, please, said Kailana, grabbing at Solas's hand. No, please, don't leave us. Please, please, Solace, I don't want to be alone. The large man nodded quietly and laid himself down once again with the girls. At once, Kailana clasped her thin arms around him, wailing, squeezing her eyes shut and calling his name before at last burying her head deep, as deep as she could, in the warmth of his chest in the warmth of his arms. Remain steadfast, travelers of the realm. Your maze master, Apolenzo, is with you in the dark. Death has stricken the tribe, and hope is running thin. Yet I beseech you, never give up. Even here, in the world of darkness, we must keep fighting. We must go on. Never give up. And honor the memory of those who have gone before you. The Iron Realm, copyright A. Lenzo, is an extreme reimagining of the fantasy setting. Today's podcast features selective audio by Kevin McLeod, which can be heard unedited and in full at incompetent.com. Further information can be found under this episode's summary at theironrealm.com. 
and the ironrealm.blogspot.com. Tribal Matters. After the service, Echo's body is stripped of her clothing. Her shirt, leggings, and boots go to Len, who has none, and which the cleric will, henceforth, wear beneath her chainmail. Kai's clothing is also removed, and it is given into Elena's care, placed inside her backpack for safekeeping. Afterwards, their bodies are dragged into the bone corner, where they must be left for now. Some plans are discussed for entry into the Goblin Kingdom, and although no way is known for opening the trapdoor from below, it is still the only means of entry that they know of, and so their hopes for success still hinge upon it. Our time to strike is at night, says Solus. I don't think the throne room would be occupied at that time, and if we're quiet, we can get in there before the goblins know it. The room is guarded, says Treya. Even at night, yet the goblin king does take his rest in an adjacent chamber. We will have our hands full, says Amazar, with whatever bodyguards are in the room. Yet I could stop reinforcements from coming by barring the outside door with my magic. We would need to defeat all the bodyguards as quickly as possible, says Solith. And after that, the Goblin King. If we can do that before anyone is the wiser, it might give us the leverage we need for a prisoner release. That won't be easy, says Treya. The Goblin King is more powerful than all the rest. We'll need all the luck we can get, says Solus, and by using our poison daggers, hopefully, that will give us the edge we need. Five more roaming creatures checks through the end of day 12. Almost as if in answer to the treacherous plans, the sounds of goblins are soon noticed at the door. The hour is two o'clock. Solus and the others exchange glances, wondering if this is an opportunity that they have been waiting for. Yet all around them, the room is filled with their sick and their dead. There are often new offerings on the Iron Realm website's Extras tab. Have you procured them all for your collection? And while you're there, travelers of the maze, be sure to leave a comment on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. <laughs> the twelfth day of Primaris. It is two PM. Level Alpha One 
in the Moss Lichen Room, position 4014, 4219. The entire group is suffering minus two to hits, damage, and movement from lack of food and water, although these penalties will fade by the day's end. The spells memorized by the group are as follows. Amazar, Door Denial, Lilena, Sea Magic, Orson, Invisible Shield, and Sira, Invisible Shield. Whilst the life points for the wounded are as follows. Solus, 5 out of 8. Treya, 4 out of 5. Stockholm, 9 out of 10. Temek, 4 out of 6. Iona, 4 out of 8. Paola, 3 out of 8. Nora, 5 out of 9. Twyla, 3 out of 6. With regards to the malady, all who are afflicted with it are taking a minus one in combat, and those so afflicted include most of the group. Nora, Sira, Twyla, and Nim are experiencing unusual fatigue, as well as respiratory distress. Meanwhile, Kailana, Stockholm, Bardar, Orson, Iona, and Paola are delirious with fever and prone to hallucinations. Meanwhile, the worst is Tamek, who has just slipped into a catatonic state. He must have constant attention from the healers, lest he follow the fate of Echo and Kai. The group is in a bad way when the goblins come to the door, knocking, growling, and trying to get in. The Unimatrate glances with Solus, Amazar, and Len, thinking of their mother who was taken by the goblins, and wondering indeed if confronting these ones could allow them any possible opportunity for her return. They might have information, says Solus. We can't let this chance slip by. Half our number is incapacitated, retorts the wizard. And we don't know how many there are. We can handle this, says Nora. We need this chance. Get ready, she says. And she moves to the door with her sisters, poised for a strike, as Amazar tends the lantern, and as Solus Lem and Lilena scramble to dress in chainmail armor and for their weapons. One moment, says Nora through the door, in hopes of giving the others some time. Yet the response comes back in Goblin, which is only grunts and growls to her ears. I'm opening the door now, she says, and, with Barter's small hammer, works slowly to remove them as the goblins wait. Of course I'm going to have to disallow Solus from donning his full plate mail armor in such a short time, but it's no problem for him to grab Stockholm's armor, since the dwarf and the others wouldn't be taking rest wearing their armor anyway. This will give Solus an armor value of 5, and meanwhile, we'll say that Lelena has also taken Kai's shield, which gives her an armor value of 4. 
Treya should have time to don her chainmail as well. And Len, while the Yuname have been armed and armored all along, some moments pass before the goblins begin impatiently attacking the door. Sira puts her spell on invisible shield just before Nora signals the others to back away from the door as the goblins at last force it and come through. Let's see how many goblins there are. There are seven goblins, each wearing some kind of hide armor and armed viciously. As soon as the first two goblins push their way in, the Yuname taps before falling back into the room. I would say there's no chance that either side in this fight would be surprised, so let's proceed instead, straight to round one. The tribes. A four. The goblins. A five. The goblins will attack first. Nora is attacked once by the leader, a mean-looking goblin, with one eye gouged out, holding a sword. He makes a thrust at her, needing a 17. With a 10, he has no chance. Her armor is far too strong. Nora backs away with a thrust, coaxing the goblin further into the room. But there is a second goblin behind him, wielding a sling, and he takes a shot with a stone bullet at Nora as well. A nine. The unicorn girl easily deflects it with her shield. Meanwhile, Twyla takes the brunt of his right-hand man's attack. This goblin is wielding a short sword, and he looks angry. Twyla's armor value is a four, and so he needs a fifteen. Thirteen. Twyla is not so disciplined as her sister, but manages the evil creature well enough nonetheless. The first four goblins have been drawn into the room at this point as the tribe launches their counterattack. Nora would normally need a 12 to strike him, but she is suffering a minus three penalty for lack of food, water, and because of the malady. She will need a 15 to strike him. 18. Nora strikes him hard, intending to do submission damage. She deals 5 damage and brings him down. Twyla swings her hammer against his right-hand man and she needs a 16. 17. She follows suit, trying to do submission damage like her sister. The attack is weak though, and taking into account all her penalties, it is only a point of damage. Nim comes up beside her, swinging a hammer as well. 18! She deals a point as well, bludgeoning him about the head with her hammer. Len attempts a hit and run against the second rank, a burly goblin holding a jagged sword. A ten. And Solus comes to help her. A three. Both of them have failed to hit, leaving their companions vulnerable. 
Amazon and Elena try to hit the second rank from the other side, each in turn, with a hit and run. Lelena first, guided by Treya, needs an 18. A 2. And Amazar, needing a 15. Not enough. Treya is next. A 10. Now on to round 2. The goblins. A 2. The tribes. A 4. They are able to push their advantage and their hit-and-run tactics have now drawn three ranks of goblins into the room. The fifth and sixth goblins are each armed with vicious two-handed swords, while the seventh hangs back in the hallway armed with a longbow, still struggling to get a shot through the melee. Nora moves to engage the goblin with the two-handed sword. She needs a 15. <laughs> 19. She has dealt three points of submission to the vicious-looking brawler, but it has not brought him down. Meanwhile, Twilight and Nim battle the leader's right-hand man, each needing a 16 as they swing with their hammers. <laughs> Twyla gets a 1, and Nim only a 10. Twyla will not be able to attack this round or next. Sira dodges in to help them, punching with her dagger. And she does get through for a point of damage, but the goblin is still fighting hard. Solus comes up on the third rank, trying to strike the other goblin who holds a two-handed sword. Don't think about it. Nineteen. Solus wields a two-handed sword as well, and the two clash, parrying each other dangerously, until finally his goblin opponent makes a mistake. And Solus slips in, slapping him in the head with the flat of his blade and bringing him down. Len goes against the goblin who has the sling. She hits him hard with her mace. Four points of damage, and it is enough to bring him down. As for Treya, she tries deftly to dodge into the hall, her target being the goblin with the longbow. She needs to make a successful dexterity check, a 12 or less. A 1! In the confusion of the melee, the goblins cannot stop her, and Treya has the burning fire in her eyes of someone with a score to settle. Because of her phenomenal rule, I'm going to eliminate all her penalties for this coming attack. She needs a 13. An 11 is not enough, but she has engaged the goblin with the longbow, and since there's no way he can use it in close combat, he is forced to drop it and will attack from here on in with just his claws. The goblins get to attack back, but first, a bravery check, for they have lost one of their number, as well as their leader. Goblin bravery is a 7. A 10. The goblins wish to turn tail and run, and the one with the longbow does so immediately, leaving his weapon behind. Yet the rest of the goblins find themselves trapped between the tribe and the vicious, polearm-wielding Treya. The surviving goblins are met with her deadly gaze, and so they are forced to surrender. As for the escaping goblin, I'll roll randomly to see the direction that he takes. A two. He is heading north for the crystal room. 
I'm going to say he can't instantly get through the door, needing at least a little time to work the knob, and so Treya will take one final opportunity to stop him. She quickly stoops for the longbow and looses an arrow. She will need a 15 to strike him. It's a four. The arrow embeds itself in the door, terrifying the goblin. Hold, says Treya. Or the next one won't miss. I'm giving the elf a charisma check. Fifteen. She fails. The goblin pays her no heed and escapes through the door. He has called Treya's bluff and she cannot pursue him, for she must maintain her threat on their captives until each has been tied up. Shortly later, when the group does make it to the crystal room in search of the one who had escaped, they discover no sign of him. He is gone. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. Legendary Powers There are many ways by which you, as a legendary power, may claim ranks of renown. The seventh path, complete and display your sacred writ. When you have reached 100 ranks, you may consider your sacred writ to be completed. With your deeds carefully recorded, frame your writ and display it in order to earn a bonus 10 ranks on your next sacred writ. Complete these writs one by one in order to gain the fear and respect of every race in the Iron Realm. Gaze upon your accomplishments with pride. It is you who, by your efforts, hold back the total destruction of the Iron Realm. I thank you for your sacrifices. You have been listening to The Iron Realm. If you would like to show your appreciation and support new episodes of The Iron Realm, visit patreon.com slash theironrealm and be you rewarded. You can also give a gift at drivethroughrpg.com using pay what you want or by taking a share of premium soft cover books, ebooks, and gaming aids for your Iron Realm collection. And don't forget to leave your five-star reviews at iTunes at drivethroughrpg.com and beyond. Finally, tell your friends and spread the word.
about the world's first play-by-podcast RPG audio drama. Do what you can to ensure the continuance of the realm. Your fellow travelers and your maze master, thank you. From the eternal depths of the Iron Realm. I have been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Realm! Good night, everyone.